have to use that history degree every now and then. Uh, invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to John 14. Tell you uh, a very quick funny while you're turning there. Last night, my team was in search of someone named Freddie, Chuck, Chucky, Michael, or Jason. All characters in horror movies. And uh, we were at Lowe's and we were getting a picture made with uh, a Lowe's employee. And uh, we said we were from Grove Park Baptist Church, and they took the picture with us. And we said, do you have someone working here with one of those names? And they said, no, but we'll go to the front and talk to management. So we went to the front and talked to management. And uh, <clears throat> they said, no, we don't have anyone here working here today. But then the manager said, but we can make a, a name tag and put on somebody if you'd like for us to. And the, and the clerk that was helping us said, they're a church youth group. You can't do that. <clears throat> so we didn't find our picture there, but we did find it on Pandora. And if you need an explanation, see William or Caden on that. So, all right. John 14 is where we are this morning. Would you pray with me? Kind Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we know that within the pages of your word is all truth, is solace, is conviction, is hope, is help. And so, Lord, as we come to your word today, we pray that it would be all those things for us. And that it would move us, Lord, to where you want us to be. That it would help us, Lord, to peel back the curtain of confusion in our lives and to see the picture that you're laying out for us. Father, bless me with the words that are needed for those gathered here now as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. There is widespread confusion in the War Council. Now, just for a moment, let's recall what the preceding days have involved. The resurrection of Lazarus has created a groundswell of support for the Jesus movement. The triumphal entry has given even more evidence that the tide is rapidly moving in their favor. They are about to become rulers of Israel as they throw off the shackles of Roman rule, the disciples believe. And then the entire apple cart is overturned. As Jesus has declared that there is one among them who will betray him. In other words... There is a traitor in their midst. And then Jesus announces that his aide-de-camp, his perceived number two, his go-to guy, 
Peter will deny him. Clearly, in the language that is used, the denial will be at a critical time, for it will not occur once. It will not occur simply twice. It will occur three times, Jesus says. There is much turmoil in the council. And Jesus uses this moment after he has announced to Peter that he will deny him three times to address this disquietude head on. Notice with me verse number one. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. These verbs here are all in the imperative. Jesus is saying quite succinctly, quite loudly, quite vociferously, let not your hearts be troubled. In other words, calm down. Calm down. Settle down. It's going to be okay. Do you hear me? Settle down. Why? If you trust God, he says, trust me. That's what the word believe here is. Trust. You trust God? Trust me. Now, if we're honest, if we're honest, this is always much easier to say than to do sometimes, isn't it? It's sometimes easier to say, yes, I trust God, than to actually do it. Because the changing nature of life is always pushing us back and forth to the point that sometimes confusion rules in our life, much as it did in the lives of the disciples. Everything that we may have expected, everything that we may have planned for, all of our greatest hopes and dreams are turned upside down. And in those moments, if we were honest, it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust. Maybe it's because at some other point in our life when we had reached that critical point and the people that we had trusted in failed us, it made us absolutely impossible to trust anyone else from that time forward. And though while God is big, it's hard to trust Him. Maybe we think that God let us down at some other point in time. Beloved, God never lets us down. It's our perception that is often the problem. But maybe... That's in the back of our mind. And yet Jesus says the same thing to us that he says to the disciples. Trust God. Trust me. But why should we trust Jesus? Why? Look with me at verses 2 through 6. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I got a plan. I got a plan. The plan is I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back. Beloved, this morning, understand something. We must always know. We must always understand that when things are turned upside down in our lives, God has a plan. Things might not be going the way we thought they would. Things might not be going the way we like for them to. But God is in control. Jesus says, I am going to go and prepare a place for you. Now think about that. <clears throat> to go and prepare a place for us not just implies that he's going to go and prepare the place. It also means that he is going to go and prepare the way to the place. See, it does me no good if he prepares the place for me and then leaves me no way to get to the place. You know, mom and dad could say, hey, hey, Mark, we've, we've, just, uh, we've just bought all of Topsail Island and we have built a wonderful house on it for you and we want you and Eliza to come down there. But if mom and dad hadn't built a road over to Topsail Island, a bridge, mom and dad haven't, hasn't sent a road from, from Burlington to Topsail Island, if they haven't given me a car... They haven't done all those things. That house can sit there for all eternity if I can't get to it. But Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And in doing that, he has prepared the path. Now Thomas is he's confused about this. He doesn't really sink in with Thomas. And so he says, I, I, we're not really sure about the way. And Jesus responds back and he says, Thomas, I'm the way. I'm the path, Thomas. Indeed, if we were to, to go to 1 Peter 2, 21, we would find that we are to follow in his steps. We're to follow in Christ's steps. And in the original language, that means that we are to follow the trailblazed path that he has for us. In other words, he has gone and prepared that path and we're to follow in it. How well do you do that today? How well are you following in the path that God has for us? Maybe you're saying to yourself, I, I, I'm not real sure about this path. I don't know what might face me on this path. But also understand that in saying, I have gone to prepare a place, it not only means that he has prepared the path, he has prepared the path and he has, he's taken out all of the, the, the rough places and he's smoothed it out and, and he's made sure that nothing is going to hurt us along the path. And in doing so, that means that anything that might sneak up on us out there, he's already dealt with. Beloved, we do not serve a God who sits on the sidelines of our lives. Hear me. We do not serve a God who sits on the sidelines of our lives. We serve a God who goes before us. He's not simply fighting beside of us. He is going before us, fighting our battles, smoothing everything out. He is leading us into the battle. 
And the question is for us, are we following? Are we following? Now, I know that for some of you to hear that Christ is fighting your battles and that he is leading the path, and you hear that, and it means that, boom, you're ready to go. You're right out there. But for, for some of us, things may be a little shaky. We might, we still have a little, little nervousness in us. So look with me at verses 7 through 11. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I, have, I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus says, the greatest gift I can ever give you the greatest gift I can ever give you is that I show you the Father. You have seen me. You have seen the Father. Philip's like, I'm, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not sure. You have seen me. You have seen the Father, Jesus says. And who is the Father? He's the I Am. Now, remember back earlier in John 8... Jesus has stated that before Abraham was, I am. I am the name that God gave to Moses. So the link is such that even before this moment in our text this morning, when Jesus says, you have seen me, you have seen the Father, he's already said, the Father and I are one. Believe my words. So for just a moment... For all of us who are still troubled about various issues in our lives and whether we should trust Jesus, let's remember the I am. Let's remember when we are troubled about the provisions of life, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I'm going to meet every need. Let's remember when we are facing the dark unknown that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Darkness runs from me when I show forth. Don't be afraid. Let's remember that when we think that something is going to sneak up on us unawares and, and catch us and attack us, that Jesus says, I am the door, I am the gate for the sheep. Literally, uh, in, in ancient times, there was not a door. The, the shepherd would lay down across the opening that the sheep would go into for the night into the pen and the shepherd was what was protecting him and Jesus says I am laying at the door of your life and I am protecting you I am the door but just in case somehow something gets in Jesus says I'm going to console and I'm going to heal and I'm going to nurture you why because I am the good shepherd maybe though what troubles us is the approacher of that great leveler of all. The one that will come 
ultimately for all of us one day, barring the Lord's return, and that is death. And we're stressed about that, but Jesus says, I am the resurrection and I am life. In other words, nothing, not even death, will end this love story between me and you. I am in it forever. And you are too. Death will not have the last word. Maybe this morning what troubles us are none of these things. Maybe what troubles us is that we feel lost. Maybe we are confused and do not know which way to turn or what to believe. And Jesus says, in our text this morning, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Believe me. And in just a few verses from here, he will say, I am the true vine. I am the one who provides the only connection to the Father. Look to me. That's a lot of words, isn't it, beloved? Jesus, the fullest revelation we can see of the Father, takes the definitive statement of I am. And for every point of trouble in our life, everything that, that might make us disquieted, everything that would keep us up at night, everything that would worry us, everything that would take us away from the task that is at hand, Jesus says, I am, fill in the blank, and that is what I am for you. Believe me. Now, we understand. We understand that even still, sometimes that doesn't work for us. Sometimes we need more than words. We need action. And so Jesus says, believe what I've done. Did, did you notice there in verse number 11? Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. There are seven I am statements in John. Seven statements that lead us to understand that he and the Father are one. There are also in the book of John seven signs of the Messiah. Seven things that point to Jesus is really who he says he is. They are that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, that he fed the 5,000, that he changed the water into wine, that he healed the paralytic at Bethesda, that he walked on water, he healed the special son at Capernaum and healed the man blind from birth. And in some way or fashion, they all link back to those seven I am statements. And so Jesus says... I am the full picture of the Father. Shh. Shh. Calm down. Calm down. Have you ever noticed a child? Have you ever noticed a child when they're upset and they see their parent or their loved one for the first time? What happens to that child? That child starts to calm down, right? Jesus says, look to me and see the Father. And shh, calm down. It's a little harder these days in our world. A little harder. Scarlet, Scarlet's not always willing to listen to reason. 
but still one of the things in life that just makes me feel, I won't say happy because she's not happy, but makes me feel like something in life is going, to, is, is going in the right direction is when Scarlett has all been out of shape and I just take her up in my arms and I say, Scout, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And then I'll generally say something else to her like this. I'll say, Scout, does Boo ever tell you a lie? Do you, do you always believe Boo? Yeah. You know, many of us will think back to our own parents or maybe to a grandparent who said something like that in our own lives. And so the, the statement, the question for us this morning is in our reflection of that, why can't we trust the Father? Why can't we trust Him? Based off of everything that He has said and we have seen in our own lives to come to fruition in His Word and how He will console us and help us and strengthen us and guide us and love us and fill us with His grace. Why can't we believe and hear across the ages of time the Lord saying to each of us, Calm down. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard. Because sometimes the situation that is at hand is so big in front of us that we can't see or hear it. And that's why Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Get a good view of Jesus. And hear those words. Why? Well, number one, beloved, one reason why you should hear those words is your life will be a lot easier. It will. It will. Can you imagine going into every difficult situation of your life and knowing as you walk into it, you say to yourself, I could be nervous about this, but... God's got it. I don't know how this is going to work out, but he's got it taken care of. Man, it sure is dark in here. But Jesus, you say that you're the light of the world and you'll go with me every step along the way. So Lord, shine bright. Believe the works. You say I'm in a, in a, in a tough spot. I'm out on the sea and the, ra- the waves are huge and it's getting rougher and rougher and rougher. And just remember, he says, if you don't believe what I say, believe what I do. And remember that we have a water walking God who will go out and meet us in the midst of our greatest trouble and say, peace, be still. But that alone is not why we should calm down. No, it's necessary for us to calm down because you and I have got to get to work. Why? Notice what he says, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whether you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
Oh, beloved, there's a lot to do. He says, I am going to the Father and I'm leaving all my work with you. And so we must go and do. And to go and do means that we are quiet inside. Does that mean you're always, not always going to go into a situation and not be a little nervous? You better believe you're going to be a little nervous. You know, I've been pastoring 17 years now, and there's not a single Sunday that I get up here, and I am not scared out of my mind. Howard said to me a while ago, he said, you, you, you seem tense. Yeah! I didn't say that to him. You're always going to be tense, beloved. You're always going to be tense. That's why he's there, quieting us. Because he wants us to go and do. The purpose of a war council is to say, here's the plan, now go fight. It's not to say, here's the plan, now let's go leave early so we can see the end of the Panthers game. It is, let us go and do and serve the kingdom. So, beloved... What do you need to trust God in today? What do you need to trust God in today? What greater thing is He calling you to? Is He calling you to reach your neighbor? Is He calling you to launch a new ministry at Grove Park? Is He calling you to step up in some place of service here? Shoot, beloved, is He calling you to go buy every bag of candy... At Walmart. And you say, why? Would you see the first video? We've got kids coming here on Halloween and they're going to expect candy. And we want to have enough. We want it to be that when it is all done, we are having to hand out candy on Sunday mornings. Because we got so much left. Why? Because I want to teach you a little bit something here. That when folks come to Grove Park, we always have to have more than enough. Why? Because we are telling people about the grace of God. And there is always, always enough grace and more than we'll ever need. And so, beloved, we got to have candy. And that may be what God's calling you to today. Maybe he's calling you to act in great faith. I don't know. You may say, preacher, that is insignificant. Beloved, if God knows the number of hairs on my head, nothing is insignificant for him. And he is calling us simply to trust him. To trust him. John Stockton said it best so long ago. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. Yes, Jesus is the way, the truth, the way that leads you into rest. Believe in him without delay and you are fully blessed. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. Nothing else will, beloved.
from the throne of God today, do you need to hear? Shh. Calm down. It'll be okay. I pray that you will take these next moments and just get off with him somewhere in your pew down front and hear him say it. Lay the case out for him. God, here it all is. Now speak to me peace. 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 That I can leave from this place into a disquieted world as a bastion of peace and say, it is well. It is well with me. Let's pray. Kind Father, I know in my own life I have troubles. And I know that all of us here have a trouble spot somewhere. And we just need to hear you say peace. Lord, we're, we're, we're ready to go fight, but, but we need to hear you say it's going to be all right first. So, Lord, enable us to hear you. Enable us to hear you today. As we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Where has God spoken to you today? Where is he calling you to peace? Maybe it is the fact that your life is in absolute turmoil because you do not know him as Savior. He is calling you to that today. Maybe it is some other place in your life. Maybe he's calling you to be a part of a people who are committed to go forth from this place and into a disquieted community and bring peace peace and you want to join Grove Park I don't know what it is it could be something completely else but I know this if he's spoken our task is to simply say yes Lord and believe him and answer so will you trust him today as we stand to sing would you come Oh